Football Made Simple. Become great at your craft by finding ways to make it simple for those around you. This is the Coaching 101 Podcast, hosted by Find A Way Productions. With your co-host, Daniel Chamberlain and Kenny Simpson. What's up, coaches? This is the Coaching 101 Podcast. I'm Daniel Chamberlain. Uh, this is another introduction I'm just going to do by myself. Um, we we did three different episodes, uh, recordings while we were there at the AFCA in Nashville this year. And so I'm just going to knock these out on the side and, and not try to eat up too much of your time. The, the, the best part of these is the live recordings. Um, just a little warning, it was AFCA, so a little, the, the sound is a little off. You're going to have some kind of low murmuring in the background and a few people walking by. But, you know, we thought there's nothing like, you know, going to meeting coaches, sitting in person and talking ball. Uh, on this episode specifically, we hooked up with Joe Daniel from the Football Coaching Podcast, the other one that I help out with. And we also uh, threw in Coach Adam Harvey out of Texas, co-DC down there. And we just talked some some DB development, DB play, um, kind of things we're looking for to in, get installed, those fundamentals, uh, when we're working with defensive backs. So really hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Coaching 101 podcast. Uh, without further ado, here's the conversation. Coaching 101 podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions. Findaway Productions also sponsors fbcoachsimpson.com for all your coaching needs with over 30 coaching materials, books, as well as 50 PowerPoints and videos and smaller materials and the free magazine headsets. Findaway Productions also sponsors offensivecoordinatoracademy.com, all things offense, and defensivecoordinatoracademy.com, all things defense. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Speed and Movement at athleticspeedmovement.com. We've taken Dell Basket's 45 years of speed and movement training and put it all in one place just for you. You can get the same training that NFL players have been getting for years, collegiate players have been getting for years, and now high schools across the nation are paying thousands of dollars to bring Dell in to, to install his system. But we've got it online for you. It's time to help your team become faster, not just in the 40, not just their sprint speed, but between the tackles and their cuts while they're chasing down the quarterback. It's time for you to help them become faster everywhere. Jump over to athleticspeedmovement.com. There's an orange button there. Just click it. It says, uh, get the keys to playing faster. You'll get the three core movement video from Dell. He's explaining the science behind it all for just the price of your email. Check it out, athleticspeedmovement.com. All right, another AFCA episode. Coaching 101 podcast. It's weird for you. Different podcast name. Hey, what the hell's the name of your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are doing a little crossover today. So we've got Joe Daniel uh, joining us. And then uh, Coach, Coach Adam Harvey as well. You can introduce yourself first. Uh, I'm Joe Daniel. I am the uh, co-host of the Football Coaching Podcast. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, yeah, and uh, run Joe Daniel Football. Awesome. And Coach Harvey? Yeah, Adam Harvey uh, down in Texas, San Antonio area. Um, been coaching for 21 years, had a lot of good good experiences, so really appreciate you guys having me on. Hey man, we're excited. You know, I don't know why I even had the idea to come up and record these. Obviously the audio is going to be wild, but I just figured, man, it's a great place to get good intel, right? Guys that know what's going on, they know what they're doing, um, hopefully. <laughs> but luckily we got to vet them a little early. So, man, Coach, we're really excited to have you on the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank Joe you. as well. Great to get a crossover done. I've been looking forward to this day since, I guess, April. So, it's a, it's a good one. Uh, so, today we're going to talk a little uh, DB development. Um, and, and we kind of get to look at 
all sides. I started at a 1A school. I've worked my way up to the big, the big league. Uh, Coach Harvey, you talked about you know some NFL caliber players you got to coach, but you don't have them anymore. So you, what you know, things you've done. And of course, Joe is just like me. He's working with like 30 kids trying to put together a football team. Uh, and one of us is getting to coach our son as a DB this year, so I bet that's even just. Hey, he was uh, today. He just got named super sophomore all state team. So uh, obviously, I did a great job coaching. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's a good ball player. Awesome. So, um, Coach Harvey, we'll just start with you, man, and just kind of tell us. You know, when we're looking at developing DBs for coaches that are generally try to talk coaches that are new to the industry, right, or maybe don't already have a drill book given to them. Um, just what are some things that you want to get installed, those core foundation things for, for your DB play? Yeah, I think obviously it goes without saying, you know, footwork is key. Um, I think any coach will tell you that really at any position, but in the defensive back position for sure, right? Whether you want to do some pure step stuff, whether you're back pedal, whether you're scooch, you know, whatever the technique is, I think that's key. But then also going to the opposite side of the eyes, training the eyes is really important for me. Um, you know, through film sessions and teaching them how to study the film and, and uh, that type of thing. Um, you know, we kind of talked about it as we were leading up to this. Like, I think, honestly, a, a non-negotiable, Coach Daniel and I were talking about non-negotiables a little ago, like, it's the mindset, right? Like, so what's in the head as well? Like, what's in the head and the heart and all that stuff? You can come up with many cliches, but really, I, I think, you know, your feet are, are key. Uh, but then also eye discipline and then having the right mindset about playing the, playing the position. you got to have short-term memory. Don't worry about getting beat because it's going to happen, especially in today's age. So uh, that, that's really where, where I start and kind of start the foundation for me. Now, I think you talk about mindset, and um, I think one of the biggest, best lessons that I've given a DB was you see the, you see the corners, you know, in an all-corner, cover three, and they, we try to line up at seven yards, but you see corners all the time that, they may start at seven and then they're they're pedaling out before the snap, the ball snap, they're at nine and they're just hitch bait. And I'll get those kids and show them on film, say, you look scared. You look like you're afraid. And if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, you look scared. Stop looking scared. Don't be scared. And if, and, and if you're scared of getting beat beat, it's not gonna work out. Don't play scared. So it's a, I think the mindset of one of the biggest things we look for on the offensive side is for that corner who's getting yelled at for getting beat deep and he's getting yelled at for not playing the toss. We're going after that kid. Absolutely. And from from our standpoint, coaching the DB, it's I got to give you that non-negotiable of here's what you do as a DB, and I'm okay with the other things. I don't expect you to do everything and be perfect at it, but don't play scared. I'd say uh, they hit a couple things. I'd also say like no one. Knowing where their help is. I mean, a lot of times confidence comes from knowing where do I have help. So he mentioned I'm cover three. I hope I have some help in flats. Or if I'm cover two, I have a safety. And so that it gives them tools for when they're severely outmatched. It's kind of knowing where my help is. And but once you have that, Joe hit on it. Coach hit on it as well. Where you've got to be confident. You know, because they're going to get beat. You're going to screw up. And when you screw up, it's probably a touchdown. You know, so the way the game of football has gone now is we try not to say things like don't have this, don't have this. Instead, we try to talk in positives like 
ways you can create turnovers and ways you can create plays. Because I think that's the way the DBs go. And I'm not a Cowboy fan, but wasn't the Diggs guy. He got roasted, but he also had like 12 picks last year. Right. Everyone thinks he's the best corner in the world because he changed the game 12 times. So I think the years of don't get beat and tackle a guy playing DB, those are gone. Because now can you create a game-changing play? And my son, we already mentioned, plays. He's sophomore this year, so it was a whole lot of like, let's not do it to him to screw it up. When he started figuring out football, he was forcing turnovers, creating picks, causing fumbles, lost the yardage plays. And I think the way football on defense is going, it's got to switch that direction. Where now, it's not about yards you give up, it's not about whatever. Did you do something to change the game in a positive? Yeah. Um, I, obviously not a lot of years in the industry, but when I talk to my DBs, I go back to one kid specifically at Stillwell that he was a senior, he never got there, his coaching was very raw. And what I needed him to know for that year, I couldn't teach footwork in the amount of time I was there. So I went with the why. Why is this important? Because we were a cover three, cover one team. Well, what, is, what I have noticed in cover three, cover one is every kid plays cover one. Like, nope, I man him up. I know it's cover yeah. three, but as soon as he does anything, I'm, I'm latching on, right? And so then he gets deep, deep. So I just went back to that why. Why do I need you deep? It's okay to let him throw and catch that hitch a couple times. That OC is going to get very bored in a little bit. He's going to try to hit you the deep ball. Uh, so you just got to kind of bide your time. But going back and, and laying that why out for everything, um, you know, and unfortunately, I went back and watched film this year, uh, and some of those same guys I coached, they're, they're, they've already gotten out of those good habits. So, talk about footwork. Their butts are already to the sideline. If you're a cover three quarter, why are you looking like cover two, right? Like, so it's just, um, unfortunately, it's one of the things you have to hit every year, which, so we talk about, you know, laying the foundation for a kid, that's fine. You got to go back and hit it again. Um, we didn't really script the second question, so yeah, I go, I go. To me, I think let's go with Coach Harvey about like, how are you? Are you multiple? You know, are you guys trying to show the same shell and disguise post snap? Are you disguised pre snap? We're in different situations. You're in Texas, so you right. gotta. Probably, you probably have to be multiple. You know, Joe, you're in a smaller school, I think. Uh, Daniel, you were in a big and a small school, and I've been in smaller schools where we're gonna play wing team three times a year. We're gonna play one spread team all 10 games right so the theory of being multiple or not being multiple i know that depends on things but all things being said you know what's kind of your theory are you trying to hide things and confuse and how are you doing that? yeah a little bit of both um you're right we have to be multiple in texas because i mean we, we do see some of the triple option whether it's wing t slot t even flex bone a little bit but um one of the things that I want to do is I want to show multiple concepts with the same look, right? And then show a lot of different looks with the same con or one concept. Um, just kind of mixing and matching that. Uh, as far as coverages, I mean, zero through nine, we have something, right? Um, a lot of split coverage concepts, you know, depending on week to week, what we're seeing. Uh, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to primarily be a zone, zone team uh, because a lot of fire zones, sims and creepers and that type of thing. So going back to, to the, one of the non-negotiables for me as far as on the field play is eye discipline and how important that is, right? So um, with the multiplicity, I think, and, and the way you disguise your coverage is, you know, I can't wait to watch Washington tomorrow <laughs> win the national championship because I think Coach Morell has done a fantastic job with all the eyes coverage that he's got, right? He's got to do it because of the pressures. But then you go back and what Michigan did against Alabama, and they're doing the same thing because, I mean, Jesse Mentor dialed, he was dialing it up in the first half. And so 
what is the eye discipline like? What are they showing on the back end as far as shell is concerned? And then how, how can you mix and match those things with split coverage concepts? How can you mix and match those things with different looks pre-snap and then also same, same look pre-snap and move around post-snap, right? In short, we're a two high shell team and we're gonna scroll post-snap more than, more than anything. Um, but I've toyed with some one high, you know, coming back into two, like your Tampa twos and that type of thing when you got people bailing you know, not into a prevent necessarily, but in a long yardage situation, we'll do a lot of that as well. So, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's definitely important, um, really, with all all offenses, but the spread offenses, especially those that are, you know, IDing every single time what you're doing, which every good quarterback is going to. But a lot of times you can get caught them, you know, getting them look in the box when the roof is the most important thing, you know, in your pressure packages and whatnot. So, um, yeah, just, just showing different looks and same concept, but different, you know, uh, concepts with the same look as well. Um, one of the things that we're able to do, and I'm curious because you, you definitely see better passing attacks than, than we see. One of the things that we're able to do in that, you know, confidence aspect is I'm able to look at a team on film and say, look, they, they throw, you know, opposed to hitching a fade. If he's if he's got this split, it's either a fade or a hitch. Once he goes through five steps, you can go go play the fade. If he's got a wider split, it's the I can I can narrow down for them. You've got to defend three routes this week, sometimes two. When you've got to, are you able to to do that? And I guess one of the things is how do you determine? I'm assuming with with that big coverage package, week to week you're focusing in on certain parts of it. How much you're able to determine, you know, what you're going to see with a higher level passing attack, and then set your game plan up. Yeah, that's a great question. So, like, really formationally, I want three coverages to every formation that we're going to see, and so a lot of that will depend on down and distance, hash, you know, that type of thing. If they're running, working a lot of FIB, you know, I might not have three coverages to that particular formation in FIB, but I want to have three different looks, if not. So, going back to Kenny's question, like. If, if, if I can give the same look with different concepts to FIB, great. Well, then I also want to give different looks the same concept, right? So I think I think really like because of how much is pre-snap ID, you can play with those things quite a bit. You know, um, Coach Gundy, Oklahoma State, that year in 2017, I had six defensive backs in my room that were all, you know, Division One players, five power five, one group of five. and. Um, he had two, he, two of those kids signed with him at Oklahoma State. And so he was in the office in December, and I'm picking his brain because he's a quarterback guy. So, Coach, when is it the most difficult for your guys, right, and when we kind of start to make our adjustment? And he made a really good point. He said, listen, that quarterback is not going to look into the butt crack of the center until he's ready to catch the snap. <laughs> like, he's not going to do this if, unless he's ready to catch the snap. So if you can move in, because we were having a little bit of a hard time doing some things post-snap with the speed of the game, you know, people blowing the roof off and whatnot. So that really helped us, you know, to start diagnosing those things as well, going back to the high discipline. So, yeah, I think I think just knowing the situation, knowing what they like to do, if they are in lined up in FIB or FSL, what have you, and then showing different looks, going back to Kenny's question, I, you know, three, three, three coverages per formation would be my short answer, but really just making sure that you're embedding those things in week to week and scaffolding your teaching Right, so that you can do those things. That's what I want to hit on the scaffolding, the teaching. Is, you know, we're very similar. I bet, I bet most of us are probably similar even as we run. But 
So when you scaffold it the way we would do it, and I want to hear how you would do it, is we would teach cover two or whatever our base coverage is. We're actually a quarters team. We would teach that first, then we would teach cover two, then we would teach cover three or whatever role, and then we would teach, now we're going to get to this coverage from this look. Does that make sense? And so is that kind of how, what you're talking about scaffolding? Yes, for sure, for sure. You know, we may align like this, but we like know where know your help is, right? Correct. Going back to that point, like we may align in a certain look, but post snap, you know exactly where you're supposed to be based on the coverage concept. And so you're going to start with your base, you know, cover two, cover four, what have you, and then roll from there. I think really the only thing that's different is how you teach man coverage, right? But everything with your eyes in the backfield should all be primarily the same pre-snap, and then maybe two or three steps post snap, and then. You know, now now work your movements. And are you a big? And this is again an opinion question here. But are you a big? I'm imagining in Texas, all the passing game you see, you got to be a pattern match, not a spot drop type team. Is that kind of what you're looking at doing? Or are you all looking at both? We are doing both. You know, we may be an anomaly in that because you're right. I think I think pattern match probably fits what we see the most. And so we will do that when needed. But I'm not afraid. To, I'm not afraid to spot drop either. Just buzzing um, out of the flats. Just buzzing out there, especially with those overhangs. You know, like they're not DBs, or sometimes they are. If they are DBs, pattern matching. If they're not, spot them. You know, if if I'm worried about a slot fade, then I want the safety covering the slot fade, not some overhang that's not used to it. You know, whether it's zone or match, it really doesn't. Or, you know, it doesn't matter what the concept is. So yeah, I think a little bit of both. You know, and then. What pressures are we carrying as well? You know, if those pressures complement a match better, then let's match it. And then that may also mean, and we're lucky in, in Texas because now we can sub package it. You know, if we go to a sub package, then it makes it a lot easier. And last thing I got, I'm going to turn. I know these guys got questions good. too, but so we are seeing a lot in Arkansas, which I think there's close to Texas, where a lot of, you're talking about FIB, so I'm guessing it's into the boundary for those of you who are kind of trying to catch up here with us. We're seeing a whole lot of like passing game into the boundary to hide the high school quarterback's arms and run game to the field. Okay. So how are you guys? Because a lot of times I would traditionally think we're going to put our our field corner as our good corner, you know. But we're starting to see a lot of teams, and it goes back to Joe's point. A lot of that's probably going to be matchup dictated. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to move our best guy to where they're going to throw the ball and take away their best route. That being said, in, in Texas, are you all seeing, or is it, or is it you guys have quarterbacks there that they can make that 15 yard out route in the field? Or what do you guys, how do you handle that? Yeah, it's week to week. Um, I think if you're seeing that team that throws to the boundary a lot, like you're talking about, I love trap coverage on that, on, the, on those concepts, you know, because now you can show a lot of different looks with your trap stuff. Maybe one high, you, you might get yourself, you know, caught with your pants down here and there. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're very similar, you know. I, I mean, if we see a lot of quick game, trap is, is really good for us. We're a press team, uh, primarily going back to what you were saying, Joe, like um, that mindset of, you know, if you start somebody at seven, eventually they're going to be at nine. Well, you're scared. That's a non-negotiable for me. If you can't press, you can't play for me, you know. Yeah. And so that's just, again, a mentality when we do call the dogs off, if you will, and back up a little bit, they still want to play with the press mentality. So if we're seeing a lot of FIB throw, you know, throw into the boundary, I might show a catch alignment but we're still going to trap play play extremely aggressive you know especially if it's quick game and get there right now um you know i love what you said too because I, I think the boundary and corner days aren't i think they're limited they're not over but i think you got to be really really strategic in how you do that anymore like the boundary corner mindset to me with the way offenses have gone 
I'm not saying it's obsolete, but it's definitely lessened. The importance of it is lessened, right, at our level. Um, maybe not so much with the Power Five in the NFL, but at our level for sure. And I don't flip them flutes to you, Joe, because you're the guest, so I get to ask questions to you. <laughs> so you're at a smaller school, so you may have this real problem. And, and, and Adam may too. I'm not trying to say he doesn't. But when I hear he had five Division One corners, that's more than I'll ever coach. I don't think I've coached life. five Division One players right. in my so entire when, life. So, when I hear that, so to me, like the idea of you're probably at some point going to have to hide a DB, maybe yep. two DBs. So when you're playing a team that's running spread, and how are you? What are you doing to hide those guys, or to help them? That's a yeah, I think it's more of to help them, and I, and I think it it comes down to the preparation for those kids. I don't think you can truly, you know, I work with a lot of youth coaches, and you can hide a corner in youth because they're not getting the ball out there. Um, but it, you know, at, at the varsity, at any varsity level, most teams can can threaten that guy and if they can't threaten him it's because they run the ball and they're going to expose him that way he's not going to so what we try to do is take that kid just what everybody's saying here look you only got to defend two routes I'll, he's not very good don't get beat on the fade don't get beat on the hitch get beat on you know and play two yards inside so that maybe by alignment you can take away the post and and you know or the slant or whatever know where your help is at Give him as much information as you possibly can to, to stack the deck in his favor. Um, you mentioned pre-snap. I, I think that if the kid will, wants to learn, hopefully the kid is not a very good, that's not a great athlete, is at least smart. Like, give me something to work with. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if he's at least not a great athlete, but he's kind of smart, I think you can give him, a, give him an advantage that way. Um, but I don't know if there's a way to hide a kid. If you try to, to hide a kid who just has, I think the biggest mistake that coaches make and the, and the kid we're going to go after is the one that's out there trying to play, being coached like he's a stud, but he's not. Because he's out there, you know, he's not giving, put some training wheels on the kid and give him a chance, I, I think is. Um, it's interesting to me to see how you hear, how you answer that and then how Adam answered that because how I would have answered that even even maybe three, four years ago, so not not very far back, would have been get them off through it, don't get beat deep, push them off, right. push them whatever. But the way the game is going now, I think that's actually hurting them. You know, we've, we've got him. kids because they're going to throw a screen, he's going to miss a tackle, it's going to be a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. But if we can get him up and at least make him throw a difficult pass, I think that's kind of – and that's the way I think the game has changed, hearing him talk about press and whatever – I can go back to how many games we played. We had a Division One kid we're going against, and our guy's nine yards off. You're not beating us deep. Okay, well, you threw a screen, and now we got to tackle you, which right. that's way harder at times than defending a fade route. So it's good to kind of hear you two weigh in on that. You know, but to me, so that's the next question I want to lead into with both of you. Now you're playing a dude that you have to help on. So now you maybe whatever level your kids are, he's a level above. Sure. Yeah. So, how are you handling this is the alpha dog receiver? How much are you changing your game plan? How many different coverages are you doing? Are you bringing a box player out to kind of give some help there? What are some adjustments you make in that play? Pray that he's not a guy like Garrett Wilson. Because <laughs> when I had all those dudes, we played Garrett Wilson, and he had 10 catches for 160-plus yards. Absolute freak. But you um, take that. <laughs> you, you're right. You I'll take 400. that. 160, yeah, let's go. 160. You're right. You're right. Uh, but I had other dudes on my team, you know, the, the pride mindset. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think uh, kind of going back to what we were saying, give that give that quarterback as many looks and cause problems for him, right? Because that dude, that receiver that we're trying to cover, still has to have somebody toss it to him. Now, if he's a stud, pray and hope everything works out. Um, we we have removed a backer, especially like to the boundary, uh, gone into a three high set. We've done that before, so it's just a typical bracket, you know, to that side. Have a built-in poacher. Right, he can flat foot read, run the alleys, and then three over two to the other side. If it's a three by one, we would try to get that four over three as much as we could, with you know obviously the corner, uh, the overhang there, and then both safeties, you know, um, kind of in a box look. Um, we've also done some cover nine stuff, so some week three, um, where you know we can bail a corner right now, scream a safety down into the slant area. And then if we play some type of match with that, we we personally call it ice. We would just invert the corner and the safety to that side, and the safety is now going to match the, the dude, right? So it kind of keeps the same mindset. You've got somebody in the quick passing lanes in a hurry if need be. It's hard to RPO that, and so we take that that conflict player completely out of the picture pre-snap. Um, so we've done some of that as well. You know, I, I think. I still want to go back to what I do day one. Get in that dude's face, require him to get off of the press, right? Teach your dude's really disciplined way to, to, to press people. Be patient. We talk about never cross the river. But once he crosses into your world, owning, right? Mindset, owning. And so really force him to, to have to get off of a, a, a good press, you know? And that goes back to teaching and coaching. And, and hopefully I taught it well enough to where our kids are number one confident enough they're not the guy that was overconfident, like you were talking about earlier, but confident enough to say, you know what, this ain't going to be easy on you. We know you're a dude. I got a safety. Where's my help? I got a safety back there. I'm about to make your life miserable as soon as you cross the line of scrimmage. You know. I actually really love that you guys are so press mindset because I live in a world where like coaches are afraid to let kids press, and now they've been teaching them that through middle school and junior high ball, and they get to the varsity level, and they're literally telling me, Coach, I can't press. Yes, you can. I, I coach some guys this year that are absolutely D1 talent. They're very raw, right? Um, and they had a mentality, uh, and, and I, from what I understand, maybe they're, the varsity coach was telling them, we don't press because we're afraid you're going to get beat deep. So it's like a whole mindset that just needs to be carved out of the football world, If you, in, in my opinion. If that's one thing I get rid of, it'd be that. Well, Let those kids go play ball. Absolutely. And, and stop telling them what they can't do and help them. Like Zach like said, where's their help? You got uh, it. So, I don't know what the updated numbers are. This is about four years ago. 12% completion percentage on those balls that are Same rainbows. Balls. Right? Yeah. balls, yeah, it's under 20, 20. Yeah. yeah, well under 20. And so, going back to your point, the quick game, whether it's a screen or something out in the flat with a dude, like you're asking, right, or whatever, I mean, what's the percentage of the missed tackles? You mentioned it, Kenny, right? Like, that may be an 88% or 80%, right? And so, I just I want to cause as much problem as possible early and quick because that's an easier high percentage throw. Make them go deep, and if they beat you, hats off. You're great. <coughs> we'll be there again next time, and hopefully we'll knock it away. You know that type of mindset. But I think it's really important for us to dictate to them rather than vice versa. Because when we start to play in the reaction world, that's where you can get yourself in trouble defensively. Sure. But uh, it's the same question you get a dude. How you stopping them? Well, you know, we probably almost 10 years ago, uh, Coach Mountjoy got 
that on me. You know, we got our offense from, from Bill Mountjoy, and then he was really big on you need to run press cover one. But we were not a not a high talent school, and uh, we kind of agreed that in seven on seven we would try. We would go up and press, and we were we were all of that mindset of we don't, we can't press because we don't have the athletes, and. Um, we started installing cover one, press cover one and seven on seven, and I think we won like 20 straight seven on seven games when we started doing it. And what happened was, what you're talking about, the way that we taught when we were very, you know, be patient, don't, I don't teach hands until you get the feet right. So we teach press coverage. Uh, I see other guys teaching press coverage to lunge. That's how you get beat. We play with the feet. It's more like coaching offensive line than it is coaching, you know, anything else. And um, we're getting those guys with a good press, and maybe different for you guys, not many high school receivers know how to get off of a good press coverage. So then when you got the dude, you press him and you give him help behind right. him. And now he's got a, he's got two things to deal with. He can't beat us over the top and I can be more aggressive in my press and and you know make that release difficult for him. So if it's you know we played a kid who's probably the best athlete in the state of Virginia two years ago. We did two things because we didn't have, we had nobody to cover. Thank God they didn't figure out until the fourth quarter. They should have just put him at quarterback and snapped the ball yeah. to him. Uh, he had tendencies, very strong tendencies. And so when he was the number one, we, we'd press him and put somebody over top. When he was at the number three, it was a bubble screen. So we walked the backer out. Give the guys as much help as we possibly can with game planning and with preparation, and then physically. You know, we could get in his face and get over top. I love the press mentality, and I, I've almost given up on it to an extent until until somebody, until one of my coaches has completely bought into everything else. I used to start day one saying, you need to try to press. You can press really well with average kids, and they're going to play at an above-average level because nobody else knows how to do it. And I've almost gotten to the point where I don't talk about that up front until I know that they trust everything else. And then, and then it's like... Go try this. I mean, have that buy-in. It's yeah, you got to get bought in. We had a kid. We had a kid who was a, a not very good JV corner the year before. His junior year, we we start pressing. His senior year, he got a Division One scholarship because he was a press corner. They asked for film of him tackling. <laughs> I don't have that. He's, his back is turned. He went six games and we threw a ball at him. Thank God, because if they had caught it, they were going because he couldn't get him to the ground. But when you get when you teach a kid to press, they they really it'll go completely opposite once they get good at it, and then you have to teach them to not press something. You know, yep, that's right. Hey, you don't always throw the fastball because they get uncomfortable playing off. They, they lose that control. Yeah, yeah. that control. It's that timing, right? And the same thing we want to take away from the offense. We gain. Yeah. How do I handle when that dude's staring me in the eyes, running at me? Absolutely. I I want to ask you a question because you do a lot of disguise. I want I don't want to overtake your show, but I'm about to. Uh, <laughs> You do a lot of disguise. One of the scariest things for coaches installing disguise is trusting that that kid is disguising and is not just misaligned and running the wrong company. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do you when you, you know, how do you teach the disguise? How do you call the disguise? Do you do you have control of that? Because um, I know uh, one of the things that TCU did um, was Gary Patterson said just just look like what it's not. That was how they disguised. That was how they taught disguise. It was just, hey, we're running, you know, 
quarters, but line up like it's cover two and then move late. And that was his whole teaching. I can't live that way. Because mm. I'm looking at that sophomore and I'm going, he doesn't know the coverage. <laughs> yeah. He's the expert, so I'm going to let him go. But I'm going to tell you the dumb version that we do first. Then I'll let him go. So here's what we do. When we call any kind of roll coverage, we literally call the kid's name who is rolling. So we're usually rolling to a cover three or a poach or whatever you want to call it. And we say, Braden, that's my son. Braden Roll, Clifton Roll, Michael Roll, whatever the kid's name is so that they actually know who it is. Which I think that's very vanilla and sounds elementary. We're on outbusts and now I can get to cover three or a poach out of with all four DBs. So now we'll pass it to you because I'm sure you get a probably better way than that. No, shoot, simple is good, man. Um, we, we have a hash rule. Um, so that whole disguise piece like if we're in a too high shell, we have dudes on the hash, right? So you either on the hash, outside two, or inside two. So just to keep it simple, we say, hey, what's your alignment? And he's got to be able to tell me, I'm outside two, I'm inside two. And typically, you know, we don't always say, hey, align outside if we're rolling to a, a cloud cover three and you got to get to the top of the numbers. That's going to give it away eventually. But fluctuate your alignment but know that you can never be outside or inside two yards from the hash. Uh, we play with NCAA hashes in Texas too, so that, that, that changes things. It does, yeah, it makes it a lot easier. So that helps us with, you know, being able, uh, whether we're in poach or, you know, just true roll, um, that type of thing. As far as our calls and disguises with that, like, you know, uh, we'll just have tags. So we'll tag it to the front side for cover three, to the back side if it's cover nine. Um, in our split coverage concepts, we have one word calls. You know, like if we want to go quarter, quarter has, we have a color usually with our split coverage concepts. So we have blue, red, green, you know, those types of things. Um, so we, we try to keep it simple with the vernacular, but you can never align inside or outside that hash. Even showing one high, you should be inside, inside the hash with two yards. And, you know, because most, most balls played on a hash, right? You don't, very rarely do you see the ball in the middle of the field more than one play, I don't know that it ever happens. Maybe one more than once. Um, so just hang out on those hashes, you know, two yard rule, maybe a three yard rule if you got a lot of range. Uh, but they better be able to tell me why they aligned there, right? While we're showing the skies. Uh, so that, I don't know, that, that's kind of what we've gone with. Uh, the question I got, last one I got for these two, and then Daniel, you made more of a scheme one, but this is more of a fun one for me, is your favorite DB. So this guy you watched growing up, coming up, uh, and my brother wanted me to do, you know, Rashad Mendenhall started the black team and the white team. I don't want to get into that. I was going to make you name a white corner if you could name one good one. I don't know if we could. So instead of that, we're going to say your favorite DB you've ever watched play. Could be NFL, could be college, or somebody that people will know. Whoever wants to go first and you kind of have that guy. I, I mean, growing up, it was, it was Ronnie Lott, and it was just looking back on it, I'm like, how? And I know he just played safety at points in his career, but like, that guy was a corner, like, corner was different back then. Because <laughs> that, that dude was like the toughest dude on the field. Um, and I just, the, the mentality and the, as good as he was, it was a just go to work every day type of mentality. Yep. Got cut off his pinky to play a game. Got so cut off his, love. yeah. That, that was, I, I wasn't going to say it, but that's the thing. Yeah, that's, that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all that matters. I got two, so I'm going to go two. I hope I'm not stealing either one Oh, here. you're good. I'm going to go new one would be Ed Reed. I think best safety's ever played the game. Talk about game changing plays and that guy was the smartest player I've ever seen play. And hearing him interviewed, just crazy intelligent. 
Uh, so that, on top of great athletic ability, uh, was a lot of fun to watch. And I'm going to go old school here with the Steelers. Rod Woodson, back in the 90s, played safety and corner yep. with the first hybrid guys. He played corner until he got old, and then he went to safety because he couldn't move as well, and still was an all-pro. Those, those were my two guys I remember watching growing up and going, these guys are just different than everybody else. I'm going to take your challenge with the white guy. Oh, there we go. Uh, Chuck Cecil. You guys know Chuck Cecil? That was the name I was trying to think of earlier. <laughs> He's coaching at Arizona now, and uh, it's awesome, man. I got a chance to meet Coach Cecil last spring. He was recruiting our, our kids, and he comes in, and he is exactly like I remember him on the field. I mean, a 1,000 miles an hour, high-energy guy. Uh, that dude would knock you out, man. Like, he was on the Sports Illustrated cover with, him, I think, can't remember the headline. Something to the effect of "This is the most feared man in the NFL." Um, just tough, hard-nosed dude, right? Uh, the other guy that, that I got to go with, a little off the beaten path. I don't even know if he'll be a Hall of Famer. Is Cam Chancellor? Love watching oh, that yeah, dude yeah. play, man. Cam Chancellor could go, you know. But even when he was at Virginia Tech, but when he got to the Legion of Boom and and that whole defense was fun to watch. But I really enjoyed just the way that he approached the game. I felt like he was always above reproach off the field. You know, good dude. Uh, Ronnie Lott, very similar in that way. Um, you know, and then being a Cowboys fan, like, I liked a lot of dudes, but another guy that I felt like played the game the right way was George Teague. I love George Teague. Uh, when he about took Terrell Owens' head off yep. at the start, <laughs> one of my favorite moments in football of all time. So I know I chose three, but I, I could go on and on. We've talked about that for a while. How many, uh, how many games into the season would Chuck Cecil make it today? <laughs> Zero. Zero. Like yeah, first, really first, really first series, be done. Yep. That'd be it. That guy was, he was a go-getter. Right, Daniel, young guy, what you got? Uh, yeah, so, you know, we talked about Diggs earlier from down at the Cowboys. And he's one that I like to watch because he has that I'm going to bait you and make you pay mentality. And you're going to hit me sometimes, right? Uh, so I really like him. Uh, Ed Reed is always my favorite. I, I think that is just the dude. If you could clone 11 of him, uh, that's the all-time team, maybe on both sides of the ball. I don't know. He's just a freak of nature. So um, probably Ed Reed's my all-time favorite. I'd say box safety, I'm going Troy Palomalo. Too. Oh, I think that's another one you talk yep. about. Just, I think they played 10-person defense and just told him just to go do whatever. I, I'm pretty sure that he was one of those guys that, like, there was no call for him. No, there was. It was it was the other ten guys figuring out what he was doing. Find the football and play, yeah, right? Get out. I've gotten more appreciation later for for Deion Sanders and the way that he would he would bait because because nobody would throw at him. And so I mean he would he would have to bait just to get the ball thrown in his direction. And really smart defender. Absolutely. All right, Coach, you know, social media stuff, that's your role. Oh, yeah, yeah, social media. Uh, Coach, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and just and pick your brain, where could they do that? Yeah, I'm just on Twitter. Uh, I, I have an Instagram account, but don't play with it. Uh, so my Twitter handle is Coach underscore Harvey 18. Uh, Peyton Manning number there, so I'm a defensive guy, but no, I better not say that. I got married on the 18th. That's my anniversary. Ah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> and, Joe, where are you at? Uh, I am... Uh, on Twitter at football info info uh, on Instagram at Joe Daniel football and on the internet JoeDanielFootball.com. Awesome. Uh, we'll put ours in at the end. We'll cut them all in later, so no, no big deal. Guys, thank you so Sweet. much for, for sitting down and taking some time to just talk ball with us. Uh, hope we'll get you back on. Yeah, enjoy it. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome.